Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Mike Tom. Colleen Hood is off today. Coming up this morning, a church in a violent neighborhood took on the local gangs in a turf battle and won. It's a great story of following God even when it doesn't make sense, or maybe especially when it doesn't make sense. Pastor Wilfredo de Jesus is the lead pastor of New Life Covenant Church in Chicago. But Pastor Wilfredo, you have another name you go by, right? What's that? They call me Choco. Okay, so first of all, I got to know, Pastor, then, where'd the name Choco come from? What does it mean? <laughs> What's yeah, the deal well, there? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a term of endearment. It's nothing spiritual. It's just, I liked chocolate when I was young. <laughs> My uncles used to call me chocolate, or in Spanish, chocolate. <laughs> and uh, I got saved at 14, and Christians got lazy and took the latte out and left it as choco. <laughs> I love it. And, and that's where I get choco. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the community that your church is in, first of all, Pastor Choco. Uh, what's it like in the area? And um, yeah, yeah, how long has the church been there? That kind of stuff. Sure. New Life Covenant has been in the Humble Park community. Humble Park is one of the 77 communities in Chicago. In the 1970s and 80s, it was declared the worst park in the United States. That's our backdrop. That's our context. That's where we live. That's where the church was at. That's where it was birthed. My father-in-law was the pastor in 1965 to the year 2000, and it was crime-infected and uh, drug-infected, buildings uh, deteriorating. It it was just just a bad sight. But that's where we lived in. That's the community, the schools we lived in were just terrible here in Chicago. And um, uh, and then I became the pastor of that community in the year 2000. Okay, so you've been there since your father-in-law kind of retired. Now, were, was yeah. he your father-in-law previously, or did you meet your, your wife when you came to the church to minister there? Yeah, I, I met my wife when I was 14 years old, and she oh, was wow. 12. Awesome. <laughs> yes, I, was, I came to the local church through a summer program that the city of Chicago did in 1978 to um, to kind of combat what happened in 1977, which is a riot between the Puerto Ricans and the police department. And as a result of that rioting, the only thing that came out of it, it wasn't addressing the poverty, it wasn't addressing the deterioration of, home, of the homes and the community. Uh, the only thing that came out of that rioting was a summer program to hire thousands of young people, and I was one of them, and that led me to an evangelical church, Hispanic evangelical church, Pentecostal church, and since then I stood at that church, got saved at that church, met my wife at that church, baptized at that church, my children were baptized, Wow! and became the pastor of that church in the year 2000. That's amazing. You never know what will happen, right, with one little step. That's so cool. Yeah, it's the providence of God. You just know, you never know. The Bible says that he's a sudden God, suddenly. And sometimes, and I don't know your listeners may be listening to this, but sometimes we don't understand the will of God or even the instructions of God. Mm. But our miracle and our blessings are attached to a set of instructions. And so that led me to this church in 1978, and I stood there in 20. Two years later, I become the pastor of this small church in Humble Park, Chicago. So God doesn't ask us to understand. He asks us to obey. Yeah, I was just thinking obey. obedience as soon as you said that, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah. obedience. We need, we need to obey. 
Understanding can wait, but obedience cannot. So we need to obey the will of God. And even if it doesn't make sense, listeners, even if it doesn't make sense, walk around the walls of Jericho seven times. Just do it. <laughs> if yeah. he ask you to dip yourself in the river to get your healing, just do it. Yeah. And so I, I was, uh, I became a member of that church and, and finally grew up in there and became a youth pastor, became a Sunday school teacher and uh, became the lead pastor in the year 2000. Now, uh, your church has been doing some pretty amazing things in your neighborhood. Um, the city of, of Chicago as a whole, I think in North America, gets painted in pretty bad light, but the reality is is it does have a very cr- high crime rate. Is that correct? That is correct. There are pockets in our city that are going through certain things and violence. and I mean, not, not one community is without having some issues. But there's maybe out of the 77, 12 to 13 that are high profile, that have some violence and uh, things that we need to address. And, and it's my belief that the church of Jesus Christ has to be the salt and has to be the light. Mm. You know, we are, we are called, we're, Mike, we're called to, to do the Great Commission. You know, the, in Matthew chapter 28, it's called the Great Commission. It's not called the great suggestion. And, <laughs> and sometimes you have churches who are lacking to be the light and the salt in communities. We just got to go out there. And when I became the pastor in 2000, we just started throwing the net. We started reaching gangbangers, prostitutes, drug dealers, lay people, anybody who, who just needed to uh, know about the love of Christ, people who have been broken and beat down from life, just life struggles. And, 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 and would be able to be the, come to a church and find healing. And um, as a result, our community, the crime rate where we one of the police commanders told us, because the church has gone outside of the four walls, and because the church has inquired, acquired land that was used to be an alcohol store, or an alcoholic store, and, and drug corner, because the church started buying land, a co- crime rate has dropped 40 42 percent in that community. Forty-two percent. Okay, 42%. now. So explain. That. So you you mentioned like you've started buying up property, like a former liquor store. So the church bought yeah. that liquor store, and what did you do with it? <laughs> we we right now, if you come to Chicago, that former liquor store is a medical clinic. Wow. It's called New Life Medical Clinic, and on the other side of the store, or the other side of the building, it is a, a what it's, it's called a thrift store. It's called Let's Change. And everything we sell there goes to missions. So we ended up buying a corner, Mike. And what was important for me was dominion. We, mm. are, we, are, to, we are called to have dominion. And it was important for us as a local church to have that corner and begin to remove the gangbangers from that corner. And essentially, we didn't throw them out. We just made them feel uncomfortable. I was just going to ask, how do you do that? How do you get rid of gangbangers? They're kind of scary, right? And yeah, you're I not going to fight that. them, right? So. No, we're not going to fight them. We just bought the corner. We bought the building. And, and imagine people from the church coming in and out of there, removing the liquor store so they have no place to buy the liquor or to buy their, their cigarettes, whatever. We remove that part of it, and now the, the store... It's converted into a, a clinic, and that's essentially, we didn't tell them they had to leave, but the virtue of us buying the building uh, sent a strong message that this corner is going to change. 
Have you had and, uh, Have you had any people in that neighborhood come out of gangs and join your church and be able to leave oh, the gang absolutely. lifestyle? Absolutely, Mike. It's easy to be in church on Sunday and see an ex-gang leader, a drug dealer, a prostitute who has given their life to Jesus. And um, it, it is very common for you to worship next to somebody that possibly came out of that lifestyle. I oh, love it. Um, you know, you talk about investment. These are all investments. You know, you remember in 2008, at least in the, here in the U.S., in the U.S., we were going through a recession. Yes, the big recession, we, yeah. A big recession. It was a global recession. Yeah. And uh, we decided in 2008 in Chicago, and people don't know this, we decided that we were not going to participate in the recession. <laughs> we, were, we were going to acquire land. We're going to move the kingdom of God uh, forward. So you're not going to worry doing, about your... Not that you're reckless, but you're not going to sit there and worry about your finances and stuff and withhold. You're going to continue to move forward with kingdom work. Yeah, well, the kingdom of heaven operates in a different economy. Love it. It doesn't work in the economy of the U.S. currency. Yeah. It it operates in faith. Yeah. In faith. And God honors a man or a woman of God who operates in faith. We're not going to let the budget dictate our faith. And we purchased so many properties during that time. Properties that were perhaps were selling for six hundred thousand, we bought it for one hundred and twenty thousand. I mean, it just—you almost felt like it was a window of opportunity. Yeah. In during that recession, for for the Church of Jesus Christ globally to have dominion, to grab property, to say we're going to build a dream center, we're going to build this boys' home, we're going to build this girls' home, we're going to build this clinic here. It was an opportunity, and we took advantage of it. That's so amazing, too. And because, so that recession hits, and something that um, you know causes so much hurt and destruction in a community like that liquor store is then bought up by the church, and you start to bring life to the community because of all those pieces that fell into place. You totally see God at work. Absolutely. And God honors when his children operate by faith. The Bible says... That the harvest is plentiful, and the workers are few. He never said that the resources were few, and that the money is low. He never said that. But he's looking for a man or a woman, a pastor, anybody, who's willing to operate in faith. Why would God send you the resources if you're not even, you're not even walking by faith? Mm. Uh, and so God had no other choice to, to be true to his word, and he had to honor us in Chicago and allow us to purchase property and convert those properties to ministry opportunities today. Now, you mentioned a while ago, you said, like, the church is kind of a small church. Like, how uh, how large is your congregation, or was it when you started doing this stuff? Yeah, when we started the church in 2000, it was 68 people. Oh, really? Wow, that that's is, it. yeah, that's a small church. <laughs> yeah, and we had a budget of maybe, a yearly budget of maybe $126,000 a year. Yeah. And uh, so... You know, I don't want people to think, well, you know, Pastor Choco, you have a big church. Well, it wasn't big. Yeah. In the year 2000, it was a small 68 Pentecostal church, but our dreams were big, the vision was big, and God had no choice but to honor that. And today, through all of our churches and campuses, and uh, we have over 20,000-plus members that call themselves New Lifers. Really? Wow, yep. in 19 mm-hmm. years. But it, and so for you, the growth came, though, be, 
or because you were active and obedient to God, and it's about ministry, right? Not about growing the people in the seats kind of thing, but growing the kingdom of heaven? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Mike, we didn't even know, I didn't even know the terminology of Mecca. I didn't even I didn't even understand that. You know, we had a mega mall yeah. in our community, but that's all I knew about mega. And we didn't we didn't become pastors to grow a church to a thousand people. We just wanted to empty hell and fill heaven. Nah, I love and, it. and we didn't know that was going to translate to going one service, two services, three services, four services, five services. We didn't know that. But just people started getting saved. People started getting baptized. So if you get into this thinking, I want to have a big mega church, you've got the wrong, you know, you have the wrong uh, idea about this. My, my, my idea 19 years ago and even today is not to have all my seats full. I want at least several hundreds of seats empty for the unsaved, for the brokenhearted, that they can come into our church and find a seat immediately. I don't need to preach to a full auditorium. I want to make sure I have seats available for those who the Lord brings, because He's the Lord of the harvest, Mike. Any increase that we've had, any success we've had, to God be the glory. He's done all of it. He's the Lord of the harvest. The Bible tells us He gives us the seed, and He gives us the increase. All we have to do is plant the seed. Maybe a lot of... Uh, people listening, you know, they think, wow, our neighborhood isn't violent like that Chicago neighborhood, right? But the uh, something you mentioned earlier is the important thing was you got out of the walls of the church and started reaching your community. You don't have to be surrounded by violence to do that, right? No, you don't need to be. You, you may not have drug dealers in your community. You may be in a rural area. You may be somewhere in the suburbs where you don't have homelessness issues. But I got it. I got it. But those things do exist yeah. outside of your church, somewhere in another city, in another town. And that's a gap that every church, if you don't have these problems, you may have a problem that two billion people can read or write. You may yeah. have illiteracy happening in your community. Just go to your local school and ask the principal, give me the child that is struggling with reading and math. Hmm. That's a gap. Fill it. And not be a drug dealer, and not be prostitutes. It's like we have in Chicago, but you may be in a rural area, in a small town, and somewhere in your country, in Canada, or wherever, but you need to be able to find the gap and fill it. Love that. I pastored a church in the suburbs here uh, for 10 years, and one of the things I found was is the problems are there and just as big. Just in the suburbs, they're a little more well-hidden behind closed doors, right? But... Uh, people have money for things like alcohol and drugs then, right? And I often found the more money they had and more success they had, the unhappier they were. And off- not always, right? But oftentimes, and often marriages were struggling and falling apart as well. That's right. That's right. And you think about, you think about the things that are happening in our culture today. You talk about one every five how someone has been sexually abused. Hmm. Just count in your time. One, two, three, four, five, somebody here. And, and that, my friends, is a gap. And the Bible says in Ezekiel twenty-two thirty, and I looked among them to see who was standing the gap. And the Lord said, I did not find not one person who was standing the gap. So maybe your gap isn't prostitutes. Maybe your gap isn't the, the, the gang bangers. But it could be the issue of 
alcoholism. It can be this sexual abuse. It can be struggling with uh, pornography. So these things exist anywhere in our culture today. The enemy's out there. Yeah. It doesn't have to be in any city or metropolitan area. They're far away. And you'll find them in the farms. You'll find them in the suburbs. And we have to be the church that has a solution to a spare world. What it needs right now is a fearless church. Have you have you put out any resources or anything like that to help other churches think through the, the things that you did as a community? I did. Uh, we've written four books, and, and in my four books, Mike, they have all the things we've done, whether it be the farm that we purchased for prostitute women, that we've rescued over 142 women, and some of those women are deacons of our church, the ministers of our wow. church. So they're in my four books. One, The first one's called Amazing Faith. The second one's called In the Gap. Find the gap in your community and fill it. How nine individuals in the Bible, that every time there's a problem, God raises up a man or a woman like Esther or Nehemiah or David to stand in the gap. Uh, my third book was called Stay the Course, Finding Hope in a Drifting Culture. America is drifting, mm-hmm. but there is hope. There's hope. And in my last book that I just wrote is called Moving Into More, that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, and mind cannot conceive what God has in store for you. So move into the more that God has for you. Now I have a fifth book that's coming out in May of 2020 that's called Love Them Anyway. Nice. Love Them Anyway. So who's the them in your culture? Who's the them in your life? It could be a wayward son. It could be the gay community. It could be this person. It could be the Republican. It could be the Democrat. Who's the them that Christ has called us? Because that's a currency in heaven. Love is a currency that will not go bankrupt. I love that. that. will not go bankrupt. What's the easiest way to find those books online? Is it Amazon, or do you have a website we can get them through? Yeah, you can go to Amazon.com, and Barnes & Nobles has them, uh, the books. You can go to Influence.com and order the In the Gap and Amazing Faith. Um, and so those are different outlets that you're, you're able to uh, get these four books. And then the fifth one's being, you will be able to get it through Charisma magazine. Oh, great. I, I'm getting all four books today when we're done this show. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, anything well, else you. you want to say to people listening this morning before we go, Pastor Choco? Absolutely. To those who are listening, be a good cheer. God's not dead. He's alive and well. Yeah. Don't let what's happening in your nation and our culture to bring uh, depression to you as a Christian. God has given you the power Let's walk with confidence. Let's share the love of Christ. Let's share the love of Christ. And let's begin to show the world what it looks like when the Christians come together to display the love of Jesus and how people can be transformed when we stand together as the body of Christ. So be encouraged. Your Savior is not dead. He's alive and well. I spoke to him this morning. (laughs) I love it. What a great way to start our week, Pastor Choco. You got me all fired up now. Thanks. (laughs) No, amen. You're welcome. God bless you. Yeah, you too, brother. Thanks so much.